Calvary Church is located in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, and is committed to impacting that community with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Each week, one of our preaching team draw powerful life application truths from the Bible. Check us out here or online at calvaryptbo.church. Well, thank you so much for coming this morning. Uh, in our first service, it was a little bit of a smaller crowd, and I thought maybe people found out that I was preaching and not Pastor Paul. So uh, I'm glad you showed up. Makes me feel better about myself. Thank you so much. <laughs> Who had a good Christmas? Raise your hand. I want to know. I want to see it. Who enjoys presents? Who enjoys presents? Okay, listen, I love presents. For those of you who are wondering, I love presents. And uh, as a parent, I have a three-year-old boy and a one-month-old little girl. And um, people always ask the question to parents, what presents do your kids want? What, what presents does your kid want? And, and like, that's a hard question because they have no idea. They're three. They, he doesn't know what he wants. So it's really up to me and what I want to play with, right? And, and parents, it's not a, you can't hide it. It's not something you can pretend that you don't care what your kids have as presents because you're the one playing with it more than them anyways. You're setting it up. You're making it. And you have to endure playing with it for hours. So it's really what do you want your kid to get for Christmas? And so at the end of it, I started telling people that Levi needs an extra large Austin Matthews hockey jersey. Uh, no, one, no one got him that. So if you're still wondering, he's still looking. Um, and, you know, maybe I can work it in for him, but we're, we're working on that one. Um, but I love the cool presents, but all the really cool presents, they come and you open it, and Levi got this Hot Wheels set, and it was super cool, and we opened it up. I'm excited to play with it and play with him, and uh, I open it up, and there's no batteries. There's no batteries, and then all the good presents don't have batteries. Anyone else experience this? Yeah, all the cool presents that can do something really cool need those gigantic batteries that last for like half an hour. So, and no one ever has those lying around their house. So well, you have to go to the store, buy, buy, the, buy the batteries, bring them back. And you know, I, I do love presents though. And even those ones, they're, they're, they're worth the wait most of the times. And, but I think uh, often our lives look a lot like kids' presents. And I know that might sound funny. But I think a lot of the time, and many of us in this room, we have the greatest gift in our lives, right? We have accepted Jesus into our lives. We have this gift of eternal life because of that. And we have this gift, but we don't equip that gift with the tools and with what it's required to make it function the way it's supposed to function. And it's hard to serve your purpose when you're not equipping yourself with the right tools along the way. Just like the toys can't function without the right batteries to make them run. Many of us have, are, or will at one point or another struggling with a time in our lives or the thought that we don't have purpose or we might lack purpose or we don't know what God's purpose for our lives actually is. Maybe you've been there, maybe you're in that right now or maybe one day you'll get there, but I think at some point we all struggle with that idea of what am I supposed to do? What does God want for my life? We have that thought. We, when we, and when we lack purpose, when we wander through life without an idea of where our final destination is, what we're supposed to be doing, we can begin to circle and just go driving on a road that continues to go around and around with no real end in sight. And because of that, I think when we don't have purpose, when we don't know where we're going or what God is asking us to do, we can often begin to believe lies 
that the enemy is trying to get us to believe. Because we're stagnant, because we're, you know, not going maybe where we're supposed to, we begin to believe these lies because, you know, we're not actually doing what we're supposed to be doing. Lies like my past mistakes and failures are, you know, I'll never be more than them, like Ali talked about last week. We can begin, we can begin to believe that lie. I know I've been there. We can begin to believe the lies of I have no worth and I have no value and I'm not smart enough and I'm a terrible person. And the list goes on and on and on. And those, those, those lies fester when we're not actually going and following our purpose. Lacking purpose leads us down that road that ultimately has us driving it in a circle. And the thing is, we don't actually have to live this way because God clearly lays out our purpose as Christians in his word. And I always thought this was something that was hard and I needed this burning bush moment where I walked in to church and then some you know, thing was on fire, the drum set, but it was actually burning and then God spoke to me. And I always thought I needed this moment. I was waiting for this moment where God was so clearly speaking to me and like, God, what am I supposed to do? What is my purpose? And I was waiting for this big, long thing and you no, know, this is what you're supposed to do, right? How many of you have been there wanting that moment? I've been there many times. But I, I realized as I was reading my Bible and as I've been studying it and following it in this past season of uh, this past fall, we walked through uh, an identity and purpose and all these really big ideas with our youth group. And you know, purpose is clearly laid out for us in the Bible. For Christians, our purpose, God hands to us on a platter. And it's very simple. And if we can identify these things, I think it can help us lead a life where we actually begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. And that's the whole point of the series. So our purpose comes down to two commands, okay? And you've probably heard them before, but I think this is really what it's all about. Number one is the great commandment in Mark 12. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus is uh, being asked by people. He's, uh, uh, he's walking on earth right now. This is in the New Testament, and he's speaking to all these different people, and someone's trying to stump him and say, well, like, is there a greater commandment? What are all these things? And he's answering them, everything they ask him, and they say, what is the greatest commandment? And he clearly lays it out in front of them. He says, the most important one is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So this is our first command, is to love God and love others, okay? As Christians, that is what we are called to do. That is us serving our purpose, loving God, loving others. The second piece to it is the Great Commission. After Jesus passed away, he rose again on the cross. The disciples are hiding. They're, they're in their, you know, their room. They're afraid of what's next because their, their leader is now gone. And uh, Jesus appears to them, and he tells them this is what they have to do. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you until the end of the age. It's right there. Super clearly laid out for us, those two things. And the first one, the greatest commandment, Jesus quoted in the Old Testament here. Many of you probably know the, the Ten Commandments. Uh, Jesus is, is uh, referring back to those. And, you know, God gives himself totally in love to us. And he just expects that we, in turn, give our love back to him. That's what he's asking us here. You know, and listen, I think sometimes it's hard to love your neighbor, right? Sometimes it's hard to love your family members who maybe don't listen to you or someone you go to work with, or someone you go to church with. We don't ever fight, right? <laughs> no, we all love each other. 
But sometimes it's hard to love the people in our lives. Sometimes it is. And I think that if we go back to loving God, loving others becomes easier. So when it's hard to love people, the people around you, start loving God a little bit more and see how that transforms your relationships with them. God will give you his heart for them and his love for them. And then the Great Commission, go make disciples. This isn't just saying go overseas and reach people that don't know me. He's saying here, wherever you go, wherever you are, whether you are at home, at work, at church, at the Pete's game, wherever you go, you represent him. So be consistent. You represent him. You are an ambassador of the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples wherever you go. And do that by loving me and being able to love others. Right there, that is the basis of our foundation for purpose. And some of us, God will use in different ways, but basically we're all serving that purpose right there. You know, these two commands have something in common. And it's something that many of us don't really like. I know I personally don't. But it's very, very clear. Jesus is asking us to sacrifice our desires, our comfort, and our plans for his, for, of, of our control. He's asking us to sacrifice. And that's what these two things have in common. Sacrifice is the life that Jesus calls us to. We have to realize that our lives are not our own. And this is a thought that I think we can struggle with because we are so selfish at the heart, right? I know for me, I don't automatically think that way. I don't automatically think about the other people in my life. I think about me and what I want to do and where I want to go. Not, God, where do you want me to go? That's not my first thought. And I've had to retrain myself like we all do. But that is hard for us sometimes. But we have to realize that our lives are not our own. The moment we give our lives to Jesus, we belong to God and we live to serve his purpose for us. I want to give you a picture, okay? A picture of this a little bit, of what this might even look like. And uh, growing up, my dad's a pastor, and I went to many, many funerals. And I'm sure many of you have been to a funeral one or two times of someone you loved, someone you knew briefly, just somebody. You've probably been to a funeral. And uh, I've been to a lot with him, and I was homeschooled for a little time in my early school days, so I had nothing else to do, so I just went everywhere my dad went. And uh, we went to funerals, and we went to some where there was hundreds and thousands of people, and uh, we would, I'd be sitting at the front with my dad, and the room would be packed, and it would last forever because the family and friends had such great things to say about the person. And the service went so long, and you just kind of sat there and thought, man, what is, what is so special about this person? Like, why are so many people here to celebrate their life? And then I sat in funerals where it was basically just me sitting in the pew with a couple family members and my dad. And then, you know, family members walk up on stage and say something generic about their family member that passed away. And, you know, you can't, they don't really know the person or know what they did. And, and it's so sad. And you sit there and you're like, what is the difference between these people? And I remember thinking about this when I was younger. And the difference really is that one person devoted their life they devoted their life to something more than themselves. And here, you got to follow me on this, okay? It's a little wordy, but you got to follow me here. If you devote yourself to yourself, at the end of your life, all you will have to show for yourself is yourself. You catch that? Anyway, I'll do it again. <laughs> if you devote yourself to yourself, at the end of your life, all you will have to show for yourself is yourself. Devote yourself to more than yourself, and at the end of your life, you will have more than yourself to show for yourself. 
Ah, it's a l- <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, <laughs> that's a long way to say that. Basically, this person put themselves before themselves, and at the end of their life, there is so much more than their own life to show for it. Right? Listen, what is the purpose of a chair to be sat in? Right? Purpose of a garbage can to hold garbage. Purpose of a drum set is to make noise. Right? That's what all those things are. And they, the thing that they all have in common is that they are all a means to an end that is not themselves. Right? They don't serve a purpose of themselves. They do something for other things. And that's the same way with us. Your life does not end in you. Your purpose does not end with you. You are created to be a means to an end that is actually God's. Crazy. His desires, his heart, his dreams. And I hear this question a lot being a youth pastor and just having friends at the stage of life I'm in and, uh, you know, trying to figure out big questions. And the question is, there has to be more to life than this. And you've probably heard it before or even asked it yourself. And they ask, there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more to life than waking up and going to work and coming home and eating food and watching Netflix and going to bed and doing the same thing day in, day out. There has to be more to life than this. And I think what they're really asking is, there has to be more to life than me. There has to be more to life than me. And I think when we begin to live out our purpose that God lays in front of us, I think that's true. That there is more to life than, than more to life than just us. And when we begin to live that way, we begin to live a life full of purpose. You know, in order to see ourselves the way God sees us, we have to understand the ba- our basic purpose. And loving God, loving others, and making disciples is that. But that means sacrifice. And I want to look together with you guys, if you want to get into it, uh, Exodus uh, chapter 3. Probably didn't think we are going to start the year with Exodus, but that's where we're going. And we're going to look at uh, Moses and when he received his purpose. Uh, and he did receive it in a different way than we probably do. But I think it's a cool picture, and we can pull some cool things out of his thing that we can relate to, his story. So you can follow along on the screen or pull it out in front of you, whatever works for you. I'm going to read Exodus 3, verse 1 to 12. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though a bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for this place where you stand is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of the people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey the home of many people. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. Now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. So here we go. Moses has just received from God exactly what he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to go, how he's supposed to do it. And his response is, who am I to do this? He's a little bit afraid, right? As most of us probably would be. 
he's a little bit afraid. Then we go further down in, in, this, in, in chapter 3, and we see Moses kind of pulling at all these different excuses that he can figure out to say, God, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I'm not the person for the job. And we see him say, well, what if the Israelites don't believe God told me this himself and think I'm crazy? What if they don't believe me? And God says, well, just say this. And then, okay, Moses is like, okay, well, what else could I come up with? And he says, what if they still don't believe me? And then God's like, okay, I'll give you three miraculous things that you can do in front of them to prove that it is not you and that it was God who told you. And three things that for sure they will figure that out, and you can read them on your own. Uh, and then we'll jump to the end of their conversation in chapter 4, verse 10. And I just love the picture that this piece gives us. After this whole conversation, Moses figured out all these different uh, excuses and God giving him a clear response to them. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? He said, Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight and makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you and speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, after all of this, this is what Moses says, Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Crazy that that is the response. I think there are three questions that Moses asks here that I think we relate to often when we're thinking about our purpose and we're trying to figure things out. And uh, the first one is this. What if I'm not accepted? What if I'm not accepted? Exodus 4.1 says, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? This is his first, you know, struggle that he's, he's struggling with Moses here. You know, what if I'm not accepted? When it comes to living out our purpose, I think this is a question we all face. What if I'm not accepted? We ask it in different ways, but that is the main fear of not being accepted. For what we stand for, what we believe, what we are told to say, where God is calling us to go. That we won't be accepted by our friends, by our family, by our neighbors, by our co-workers, by fill in the blank. You know, how do I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength? Won't people see that? <laughs> and if they do, will they still accept me? We have this fear that if I actually do what God's calling me to do, things may not go the way I want them to go. I may not be accepted. I may not be loved by everybody. You know, lay the fear of not being accepted down before God this morning because he accepts you. You don't need to know everything and you don't need to be accepted by everyone because the one who created you accepts you and he created you the way he made you on purpose and he's going to use you to fulfill his purpose the way he's created you. And he promises us that he'll be with us multiple, multiple, multiple times throughout scripture. The second question is this, what if I'm not good enough? You know, what if I'm not good enough? Moses says in Exodus 3.11, says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then he says, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you spoke to me. I'm slow with speech and tongue. He's basically saying, I'm not good enough. Like, why are you choosing me? You know, his fear is just not being good enough. And I can say I've been there multiple, multiple times. I'm sure many of you in this room have. Saying, God, I don't have the answers. You know, I can't go tell those people about God because what if they ask me a question I don't have the answer to? Like, I can't go there. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough husband. I can't do those things that you're asking me to do because I'm not good enough. And we, we have this fear. 
You know, I love how God responds to Moses. He says, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf? Who makes him mute? Who gives him sight? Who makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Listen, God knows your limitations. Stop using them as an excuse and living out your purpose. God loves you. He created you and wants to use you the way he created you. Stop using those things as as, um, limitations on your calling. The third question that I think we all ask is this. What if I don't feel ready? What if I don't feel ready? At the end of all the things that Moses and God were talking about, God is very clear, right? And we all, I, I know for myself, I think I put myself in Moses' shoes and I'm like, if that was me, I would have said, yes, God, for sure. Let me go now and do it, right? We all, we all, we all look at their stories and be like, I would have done it. Well, I personally do. Maybe I'm just too overconfident. But I, I know I've read those stories and I'm like, well, I would do that. Well, why do they have these problems of honoring God when he's literally there in their presence? Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. See, God reveals to Moses exactly what he is to do, where he's to go, how he's to do it, and this is how he responds. But I think a lot of us would respond the same way. We would all respond if God were to lay out exactly what he was asking us to do in the way and how we're supposed to do it and who we're supposed to do it with. I think a lot of us would say, God, please send somebody else. And I think the reason why is because we would see exactly what God is asking us to sacrifice. We'd see exactly the relationships that he's asking us to step away from, the comfort he's asking us to step out of, and our control he's asking us to give over to him. We would see exactly where he would want us to sacrifice. And thank goodness that God equips us with the proper batteries. <laughs> right, going back to that analogy there. Because all these questions are too real for me. And I'm sure you've thought of them at one point or another. And I believe the battery that God equips us with to fulfill our purpose is the Holy Spirit. And we see it throughout the Old Testament and we see it in the New Testament. But in the New Testament where we see in uh, multiple places but in Ephesians to start, that once the moment we accept Jesus into our life, the moment we receive that gift, we are gifted as well the Holy Spirit to live with inside of us. He is given to us to help us, uh, to help correct us, to help comfort us, to give us wisdom, strength, power, strength to follow God and all the things that he's calling us to do. Ephesians 1 says, In him you also, whom you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do, not, do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? And there's multiple, multiple stories and, and um, moments in the New Testament where we see that the spirit of God is now for everybody. The same spirit that helped Moses do what God was calling him to do in Joshua and all these other people in the Old Testament that God came upon and now they were able to do the task at hand that God was calling them to do. But before that, they weren't able to do that. And luckily, we actually have access to that today. And you know what? I think part of the thing is that God makes us, uh, make sure we understand that the greatest commandment is to love him first because out of that, all these things flow. Because out of that, we have the strength to love our neighbors and to go make disciples and to go where he's calling us to go. Listen, please don't allow a lack of purpose to hold you back from seeing yourself the way God sees you. And that's what this is all about. This is why I think a lack of purpose can hold us back from that. You know, when he looks at you, he sees someone who is accepted, who is enough, and who is ready for the task at hand. In the band, you guys can come up here and get ready for the next song. And we'll sing another song together before we all leave this place this morning.
And, you know, as you're sitting here, maybe you've thought this, and maybe you have been a Christian for a long time, and you are thinking or have thought that, man, I've missed the mark. I remember that moment I accepted Jesus, but I haven't lived a life of sacrifice. I haven't lived out this purpose the way God intended for my life. And let me tell you now, it's not too late. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I believe this to be true, and I believe in multiple stories in the Bible that is the case. And even in Moses' story, we see this. Deuteronomy 34, 10 to 12, this talks about the death of Moses, and this is what it says about him. I think this is incredible. It says, Since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Right? Who would have thought that the same guy who told God, send someone else, <laughs> would be remembered like that? When you, when you read the Bible from like front to back, when you start reading the story, you're like, this guy is never going to make it. <laughs> and then we just see moment after moment, the Spirit of God come upon him and give him the strength to do what he couldn't do in his own strength. You know, I'm asking you to finish well. Whether you are 60 or 80 or 20 in, or maybe you're 10 in this room and you're like, man, I don't even know where to start. <clears throat> but if you're older and you've been walking through this life and you're like, man, I missed the mark, I just, I, I urge you to finish well. Run with perseverance towards the goal that Jesus marked out in front of you. Run into having knowing that you can stand in front of Jesus, and this is the goal for all of us. But run to that end moment so that when you stand in front of him, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That is what we desire, right? And let's not kid ourselves at this moment. At one point or other, we have all missed the mark, right? Whether you've been a Christian forever or for a short amount of time, we have all missed the mark. I know I have. I know I still do. I know I will. You know, don't begin to believe the lie that you're too old or too young or you missed your chance. Listen, Moses stumbled along the way, uh, but he refused to let the stumbling blocks hold him back from living out his purpose. He fell down, but he got back up. And sometimes we come to church and we feel like we got to be perfect. We feel like we, can, we have to come here and we have to put on this persona that I don't, I don't mess up and I'm perfect and I'm okay and I'm not going through anything. <laughs> I don't need help. It's all good because want, we want everyone to accept us, right? But this morning, can we just take a second and just make it clear that that's not our expectation at Calvary? We don't expect anybody to walk in these doors and be perfect or to have it all together or to have their lives, you know, perfectly aligned or not be going through things. You know, we expect you to because we're going through things as your leaders. <laughs> and we want this place to be a church that lifts people up. When you fall down, that we as a staff can lift you up and the people in your pews and your rows can lift you up and that we work together like a family, like we're called to do, and we lift each other up. That's our desire for Calvary. Not that you're perfect or you're going to be perfect because you're not, and I'm not, and we're never going to get there, but our desire is that when you come here, you can find hope and be fulfilled and go out filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can live out your purpose knowing you have a community of people on your side to do that. So if you can stand up with me right now, that'd be awesome if you can. And I just, I have just one response that I'd love to see if we can make it happen.
And, the, the, and I know these things are universal questions we've asked, especially when it comes to our purpose. You know, uh, I, I, will I be accepted? Will, am I ever enough? And, and, you know, am I going to be ready for the task at hand? And I'm sure there's other things, other lies, other things that you've thought about. And maybe this morning you will take a moment and sacrifice that and, and sacrifice the feeling of maybe looking like you're not perfect. And, and if you would, I would ask that you would raise your hand to signify that and that when you do that, that some people around you would lay their hand on you to say, hey, we're in your corner. And then I'm going to pray and close us off and we're going to sing a song together, uh, do it again one more time in this place. So if that is something, if you have struggled with that, or you have in the past and you don't want to go back down that road, or you know you right now feel like, I just want to serve my purpose, and I don't know how to do it to my full potential. And and if you are willing to say, yeah, I'm vulnerable this morning, and I do need help with these things, if you would raise your hand right now, and if you're around them, to put your hand on each other. And if you don't, it's okay. But there's some hands up, and if people can go that are around them and and support them, that'd be awesome. And you guys can play, and I'll, I'll just pray one quick time as people move to the people and pray that God would fill us with his spirit in this place. He'd equip us with the batteries we need to live out his purpose. So, dear God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much that you're here with us in this place this morning. God, thank you that despite our shortcomings, despite what we believe about ourselves, despite the lies that we have believed for so long, you choose to use us, you will use us, and despite our limitations, you will use us. I, I, God, I pray that we would all understand. We would be able to take the knowledge in our head and bring it to our heart this morning, the knowledge of our purpose, and be able to walk in it confidently, knowing that you walk before us, lead us in, in every step we take, Lord, may we all get to that end of the race and you say to us, well done, good and faithful service, good servant. God, we thank you for your presence this morning. Have your way in our hearts. Amen.